earnestly I seek for you. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As I dry as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadows of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. You are right. Your, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down in the, into the depths of the, of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejo- rejoice in God, and all who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars who will be stopped. Thanks, Bree. That's Psalm 63. Psalm 63. If everything in your life was stripped away, what would you have left? If everything in your life was stripped away, what would you have left? I'm going to tell you a story here about a man in the Bible, and he had everything stripped away. His name was King David. Do you guys know King David? David, he was a great king. Some say he was the best king in Israel. And he was a good king. He had good people. His kingdom had success. There was a lot of money. He had family that loved him. He had friends. He had supporters. And one day, everything that he knew was stripped away. King David had a son, and his name was Absalom. And so this is his son. This is the the fruit of his loins. And one day, Absalom, he starts with this idea. He says, I have an idea. What if I became king? His father is king, and Absalom says, I have a better idea. Your boy will be king. And so Absalom, he goes around, and he starts telling everybody, right? He starts going to these other towns, and he says, oh, by the way, I'm now king. Oh, hey, how you doing? How's your mom? She's doing good? Oh, cool. Nice puppy. By the way, I'm king. Hey, good to see you guys. I'm the king. And so he goes around and he starts this revolution, right? This is King David's son. He starts this revolution. He starts gaining supporters. And little by little, David's family are following the revolution. David's friends are a part of the revolution. The very people that David led as king are now a part of the revolution. And they are now marching straight for the capital. And so David, word comes to David, and they say, your son just started a revolution, and they're all coming here, and you're pretty much a dead man. And so here's King David having to flee his own house. He's the king. He has to flee his own throne. He goes into the wilderness because his son is starting a revolution against him. And so David flees into the wilderness when he is at a wilderness in his own life. If everything in your life was stripped away, what would you have left? I tell you this story. I don't want you guys to to hear this story as some imaginative fiction story that happened a long time ago. I want you to put yourself in the story real quick. Guys, think about this, right? Think about what you would feel like. 
You're under attack from the people that you love the most. The people that you thought you could trust, you're now on the run from. You don't know who you can trust. Students, imagine, what, what if everything that you knew in your life was taken away, all the comforts? You're like, my cell phone? Yes, your cell phone. But more than that, what if there was no more money? What if there was no more home? What if you had no more food? What if you were on the run and life as you know it was pulled from underneath you? If everything in your life was stripped away, what would you have left? David, he's in the wilderness. He's at this point. He's in the wilderness, and he's in the midst of this tragedy, okay? You need to understand the background here. Uh, understand the revolution. Understand that everything has been stripped away because he's in the wilderness, and he starts to write things down. He's struggling. If he were to write a post-it note, a postcard from where he was, the return address would be nothing because that's where he was. That's what he had. He had nothing, and so he's in the wilderness, and he decides to write down a few words. He decides to capture what it's like when you are living and coming from nothing. And the words that he writes down are what we call Psalm 63. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at portions of Psalm 63. When you guys read this, as you're understanding this, we're actually going to do a fun challenge after the sermon tonight. But when you guys are doing this, understand the background. Understand where this is written from. This is not just some random portion of the Bible that you go, I don't even understand. What are they talking about? This is written from nothing. If everything in your life were stripped away, what would you have left? And here's David, and listen to what he writes. Brianna just read it. We're going to look at just the first verse today. Listen to what he writes. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My, my flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's where we're going to pause. I want you to look at what he writes from nothing. The first verse here, he, David declares his God. Do you see it? Open up your Bibles. It's, it should be on the screen here. The first verse. David declares his God. Look what it says. He says, God you are my God. God, you, you are my God. I don't know a lot of what's going on right now. I don't, I don't even know where the next meal is going to come from. I don't know why my son has started a revolution again. I'm not certain about very much, but friends, here's what I do know. He says, oh God, you are my God. The one whom I worship with my life, the one that I follow, the one that I serve, the one that I love with everything that I am. This is what I know. You are my God. God, you are my God. What's David doing here? He gets to nothing, guys. Everything is stripped away, and he says, back to the basics. Here's what I do know. Oh, God, you are my God. David is declaring his God. What's your God? David is declaring his God, but guys, everybody has a God, right? Think about it. Your friends, your family, you, everyone has a God. Whether or not you call it a religion, that doesn't matter. 
Because everyone, by definition, has a God. They have something that they're living for. And so who's your God? What's your God? It's not always a person. Sometimes it's a thing. Your God, friends, here's how you can know what your God is. What is the thing that you look to to give your life meaning? The thing that you're looking to to say, man, that's, that's the most important, that's what life is about. What's the thing, if you're being honest with yourself, what are you living for? Your God, it's the, it's the person or, or the thing that you look to and you say, you know what, I live my life for you. That's what winning means in this life. That's what I'm living for. That's what I love. That's what I worship. I'm devoted to you. And so what are your gods? Who are your gods? I think society has several gods for us. And so let me just demonstrate here, okay? David declares his God. And then here are some gods that, that I think people have in our society. The first one, I call it acceptance, all right? This is my God, meaning the most important thing to me in life, the thing that I'm living for, the thing that I want more than anything is acceptance. I love it when people retweet my tweets. I love it when people give me a thumbs up and react to my Facebook post. You're like, what's Facebook? Sorry. Uh, I love when people respond to my Snapchats. I love when people double tap my Instagram. It's just acceptance because nothing is more important in this life than other people having a positive opinion of me. Oh, acceptance, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. How about another? How about success? Success, man, like, when I was in high school, I knew friends, and like, we kind of laughed at them. We didn't look at them and go, I feel like you have a God problem, and the God in your heart is success. We, didn't, like, we don't say those things in school, but we had those people that it's like all they would talk about is, I need my grades to be perfect because I need to get into my dream college. And I needed my dream college because I need to make it, make it like a lot of money. And if I have my dream job, then I have a lot of money. And you know what a lot of money means, right? Great cars. And you know what great cars means, right? Lots of bills, which is great because I have my dream job, right? But this is, this, is an, this is a God. This is where people, they look at it and they say, the most important thing in my life, the thing that I'm living for, the thing that gives my life meaning, make that paper, right? Have you guys met people like this, right? Oh, success, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Everyone has a God. David is declaring his God. What's your God? Who's your God? How about another one? Another God that's common in our culture. Friends. Oh, man. Like, this is the most important thing. I'd rather starve than not have friends. Right? Friends are a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But as a God, this is what we live for. I mean, the decisions that we make, the places we go, everything is because the ultimate in life is having friends. And friends are now sitting on the throne of our heart. It's what we worship. It's what we live for. And then there's special types of friendships. You know those kind of friendships, right? Ow, ow! The friendships that have hearts around them. If you have people in your contact book and there's a heart next to their name in your contact book, um, <laughs> my wife has a heart in her name, right? I didn't put it there, guys. I swear, she did, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, right? So you have friends, but then there's relationships, right? Heart relationships. 
It's like, I like friends, but really, you know what would really make life life? Yo, dudes, you know what would really make life life? Having that shorty, right? I mean, like, I, uh, people kind of like me. I don't really care about success. I don't really want money anyway, because more money, more problems, right? But seriously, man, if I could have a fly short, woo, that's the goal. And so some of you dudes, your friends, that, maybe that's all they talk about is girls, and they may not say, you know what, I think I have a theological problem because the Lord of my heart is females. <laughs> Dudes, if your friends say that, bring them here. I want to meet them. They're pretty cool, right? We don't, we don't diagnose ourselves that way, but like the way that we talk, the way that we walk, the way that we act, the apps we have, the people we talk to, it's like we're saying, this is God. Oh, relationships, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Ladies? Is it anyone? Ladies? Ladies are like, whew, I almost got away with one. He only talked to the guys. Come on, ladies. Right? No ladies are making eye contact with him. They're like, don't look at him in the eyes. Listen, you don't, you don't have friends that, that make marriage one day their God? That make finding Mr. Right? We want to find that foine man, right? <laughs> Where's that foine gentleman with his man bucks? Right, ladies? Oh man, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Girls, man, you're hardwired to when you're 13, you meet a dude, and he looks at you and he says, I wonder what her name is. You look at him and you go, I wonder what our children would look like. You know what I mean? Like, just everything inside of a lady is just hardwired for marriage, which is a good thing, right? Hardwired for, for relationships. But there's a point where in our society it can become twisted to where we worship it. Oh God, you are my God. David declared his God Who's your God? What's your God? And then there's another one here. And this one could probably be the most tricky because it sounds spiritual. It's false religion. It's false. This is flimsy, but that's part of the illustration. We'll get there, right? False religion. The sticker, the tape is backwards. How did they do that? How did he do that, right? False religion. Man, these are, these are people that what they're worshiping, they go, oh, no, 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 Sam, I don't have false idols. Like, I actually am religious. I'm actually, you know, Mormon. Oh, actually, no, no, I'm Buddhist. No, I'm, I'm Islam. I, I have a religion, but you know what the Bible tells us about those other gods? They're false. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul talks to them, and he goes, hey, all of those pagan gods that you left, all of the, the, the goddesses, man, there was goddesses that would like lead prostitute temples, right? There's like goddesses that have like three heads and ten breasts, and they were called the fertility goddesses, and guys would go worship them, right? There's just a whole bunch of different goddesses, and, and Paul looks at them and he goes, those are so-called gods. And so David declared his god. Some people's gods are false religion. Do you know what these all have in common? Do you know what all of these have in common? Like, you may not worship every single one of these, but here's what they all have in common, and I already started to demonstrate it. They're flimsy. Like, you're like, what's wrong with acceptance? Sam, what's wrong with success? Guys, listen, there's nothing wrong with these things. Like, these can be life goals, right? These can be goals, but gods? Are you kidding? Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting success and to be successful. That's a good life goal. Like, it's good to have friends and to be accepted, but like, that's going to be your God? Are you joking me? 
Wait, oh, oh, my bad. The thing that you're living for, relationship, like, those are okay goals, but not God's. Friends, I can hold this in my hand, okay? Like, I can, I can hold success in my hand. I want a God who holds me in his hands. I, I can create these things. These are gods. I can create a success. I can create acceptance. I can act a certain way and achieve these things. You want a God that you can create? I want a God who created me. Guys, these are things that are so temporary. These are things that are like, like literally, something will be on my timeline for 4.5 seconds before the next thing posts and it bumps it down. It used to be like your five minutes of fame. It's like 4.5 seconds of fame on Instagram, right? You're only as good as your latest post. This is so temporary. Friendships come and go. That's going to be your God? That's so powerless and weak. And so again, these are, there's nothing wrong with these being goals. But I want a God that's not temporary. I want a God, friends, that is like not even, not even like bound by time. Because that God is the only God that is worthy of me saying with my life, you're my God. That's the only person. That kind of God is the only one that is worth me. Are you joking? This is not a God. And so David declares his God, and I'm asking you today, friends, who is your God? Who is the one that you can look to with your life and say, oh God, you, that, you are my God. David, he comes to a point, friends, where all of these are stripped away. Think about it. His acceptance is gone. His success is gone. His friendships, even his love relations, like his son, his family, it's gone. It's stripped away. And when everything in your life is stripped away, what do you have left? It's at that place that David, he comes and he says, oh God, these are all stripped away, but oh God, you are my God. Who's David talking to, friends? Who's he talking to? Oh, he was obviously worshiping success. <laughs> he was worshiping acceptance. Now, like, who did he say that to? He said, oh, God, you are my God. He's talking about the God that revealed himself in human history, right? He's talking about the God that, like, proved his existence by coming down and saving, saving Israelites from Egypt. Like, he showed up in Egypt and, like, Imagine, like, an all-star match, and, like, God came and wiped the floor with them. Like, that, Egypt's gods went head-to-head -head with God, right? And the Egyptians were like, oh, God, you are my God. I don't know how to do an Egyptian accent, but imagine, right? The Egyptians are like, oh, God, you are my God, and they have all their different gods, and the cat, and the horse, and, and noose, and all these, like, weird animals. They're always animals, right? And so they have their gods, and David says, oh, you know who my God is? It's the God who showed up, and he destroyed the Egyptian gods. I'm the god of water. I turned your water to blood. I'm the god of the livestock. I just brought frogs out like that. I'm the god of the living. I'm the god of the living. All the firstborn, dead. God, David says, only that god, only the god of this Bible, only the god of Israel is worthy of a, of a statement to say in my life, oh god, you are my god. It's the god who proved his existence by saving them out of Egypt. It's the god who proved his existence by bringing them into the promised land. Friends, 
It's the, David is talking about the God who proved his existence by putting on skin and coming down to earth. Only that God who has revealed himself by breaking into human history. Oh God, you are my God. It's not a God that you can put in your pocket. This is not a God that can sit on a shelf. This is not a God that you can scroll by and choose it on a given day. This is the God, the creating God, the one true God. And so that's why David, he says, you know what? These are flimsy gods. These are dumb and deaf gods. Oh God, the one true God, you are my God. And so ask yourself, who's your God? What's your God? Who is the one that you look to and you say with your whole life, with everything that's inside of you, you can say, you are my God. Look at the last part of this first verse here. Let's read it together. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no Water. So after David declares his God, look what he does. He describes his thirst. Now listen, these are all different gods, right? You guys understand me? You're with me? These are all different gods. But when your God is the creator of the universe, when your God is the one who proved his existence by putting on skin, you realize that there's more to life, there's more to that faith than just like believing a religion. Look what it says here. With, with God, there comes the possibility of close relationship. Now, now you got to follow me here. you got to understand this. He says, look at the verse. He says, God, you are my God. He doesn't say, you are my religion. Do you see that? Look what it says. It doesn't say, oh, God, you are my God. It doesn't say, you are my religion. Because, friends, you know what your religion is? It's something that you put on the SATs. And it says, what's your race? What's your ethnicity? What's your religious affiliation? And so you put Christian. That's my religion. You're doing a job interview, maybe. You're doing a standardized test, and they ask you, what's your religious affiliation? But friends, God is more than a religion that you choose. David is not simply saying, God, you're my God, meaning I believe these things. Thank you. <laughs> I'm on my way, right? Like, God, like there's, there's a possibility for close relationship here. It's more than a set of beliefs that you believe. It's more than just doctrine. It's more than going to youth group. It's more than reading your Bible every once in a while. There's a personal, close relationship here. It's made available to those whose God is the true God. And so that is what David wants. You gotta see it here. Look what he says. He goes, oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek, what does he seek? He says, I seek you. You're my God, so I seek after you. Check this out, guys. He's not seeking after some, like, um, he's not seeking after, like, like, perks of being associated with God. Oh, God, you're my God, and so give me the good stuff. Right? Oh, God, you're my God, so make my life really warm and fuzzy and make it really good. Oh, God, you're my God, and so please give me a lot of money. No, he's not seeking the perks that are associated with God. He's not even seeking facts about God. Oh, God, you're my God, so teach me a lot of answers so that I can be really smart and sound really religious. No. 
You're like, stop adding words to the Bible, Sam. I'm sorry, okay? But he's, he's saying, God, you're my God, and so I seek you. The object of his searching is you. I'm yearning for God himself. I'm yearning for you. I want you. I want to be with you. Do, do you see this? God is his God, and therefore what he's desiring, what he's seeking, what he's longing for is an actual close relationship with God, the person. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. And then look how he ends it here. Look at the, the final part of the verse. Look how he describes his, his, his longing. He says, my soul, my soul, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Have you ever been thirsty? Have you ever been really thirsty? Have you ever, like, like, I want you to imagine with me right now. You're in 99 degrees. Let's call it Arizona, all right? Let's call it Arizona. And you're in the heat, and you're outside, and it's just like the, like the, the, top, the climax of summer, and it is dry outside. And it's hot. And you're looking around, and you start getting thirsty. And at first, it's like not a big deal. You're like, yeah, I'll get some water in a little bit. But it's like now it's to the point where it's almost like, like, you know, like your mouth starts getting dry. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's almost like all the moisture in your mouth is just starting to get sucked up. Like you just ate 17 saltine crackers in three seconds. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just now it's to the point where like it's so dry that like you can't even smile. Because you know when your lips get really cracked? And it's just, it's so dry. So imagine your, your, your mouth is dry, your lips are getting cracked, you can't even smile because it's like, you almost got like sand in your teeth. And then before you know it, it's like you're so thirsty that the tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth. Like, it's just, it's disgusting. Your face is dry, your mouth, there's white rings around the outside of your mouth now. Before you know it, even your hand, there's just, it's like sandpaper on your skin. And you finally just go, I need some water, right? He needs some water. Not milk. He needs some water. And so he's like, so he starts looking around, right? I say he. Imagine you. You start looking around and you're just like, oh, you can't even talk because it's just so dry. There's not even enough moisture, to make the vocal cords work. I don't even know how vocal cords work, but I imagine they need some moisture. And so you're just like, you're just parched. That's an understatement. You're, you're dying of thirst. And you say, you know what? Enough is enough. I need water. And you look around and you realize, I'm in the middle of the desert. I'm in Arizona. Even the ground looks thirsty. It hasn't rained in weeks. And you start panicking now because you realize there's not water accessible to me. And so you're looking around, and there's no water to be found. And now you're angry, right? Your thirst has just blown up from like a, mm, I'm parched, to like a roar inside of you. And you were like, shut up. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Right? I can't even imagine what you sound like if you're parched, right? But it's like, you don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Don't, I don't want to laugh. I want water. I actually do sound like that in the middle of the night sometimes. Sometimes, like, 
because my nose is kind of messed up. And so don't make fun of me here, right? This is like confession. My nose is messed up. I broke it in a Frisbee accident several years back. And so I can't really breathe out of my nose. Like, that's all I got, right? And so at night, I'm laying down. So you got all that like, this is TMI, huh? Yeah, sorry. So you got a lot going on up in your nose. So I end up breathing with my mouth open sometimes. I'm like, I'm just like, you know what I mean? We don't need a fan in my room. It's just like, every time I roll over, it's just blowing a breeze, right? It's like, it's a hot breath. That's why my wife loves me. And so I got breathing my mouth open. And so in the summer, sometimes I wake up and like, I can't feel my tongue. I'm like, uh, because like it's so dry. I'm like, where's my tongue? It's stuck to the roof of my mouth, right? And, um, and so that's when I roll over. I'm like half asleep. And I'm like, I love my sleep. I love me some sleep. Don't wake me up in the middle of the night because you'll just get right on, right? And so I wake up sometimes and I'm like, I roll over to my wife and she actually, whenever she asks me for a cup of water, she says it like this because she's making fun of the way I ask for it at night. I roll over and I'm like, water? Like no joke. It's like a fish out of water. I'm like, water? That's really what it is. And so if we're like at dinner table, at the dinner table, I'm like setting down dinner. And I go, you want something to drink? She goes, water. I'm like, funny. So if you ever hear her say that, you know where that came from. But that's the kind of thirsty I'm talking about. You're in the desert. Lips cracked, mouth dry, can't feel your tongue, sandpaper for skin, no water for miles. And you are sitting there and you go, I don't want to talk about it. I'm thirsty. That's how I long for God right now, is what David says. He says, you ever been that thirsty? Homeboy, you ever felt like blood, cracked lips, sandpaper, skin kind of thirsty? He goes, that's how I long for God right now. That's how my soul feels when I think about how much I long for you. My soul is like that dry man, and the only thing he wants to even think about right now is That's his desire for God. Real talk here. Have you ever known someone who is that thirsty for God? Have you ever known someone that, that you just, you, by talking to them or seeing them, it's like, dude, that dude loves Jesus. Do you ever know somebody like that? Have you ever been to a point where you were that thirsty for God? Where you were like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want nothing else. I just, my soul will die if I do not have Jesus. Have you ever known someone like that? Have you ever wanted to be there? Right? And here's the reality, friends. Let's close here, okay? And so the band, you can get ready in a moment here. But here's, here's the reality. That thirst that I just described, the way that David felt for God... Every single person on this earth is that thirsty. Think about it. Every single person, every single one of you, guys, girls, every single one of you is looking, your, your soul is thirsty. Every single one of you, if you're being honest with yourself, your soul is like, I need something to complete me. I need something to satisfy me. And you're convinced that if you don't get it, you don't know what it is, your life will just be incomplete. You're thirsty. If you don't get it, your life won't make sense. You're thirsty. Every single person on this planet is thirsty for something. And then here's what they do, friends. 
They go, I'm thirsty. And so, maybe I can satisfy my soul with this. I'm thirsty. So maybe I can satisfy my soul. Maybe I need to get religious. Maybe I should like ask my friends about their Mormon church. Or maybe I should go and, and, and you know what? Buddhism seems really zen these days. And you're like, wait a minute, wrong religion. And so I'm going to go check that out. I'm thirsty. So maybe I just need more social media profiles. So let me take some new pictures. And like maybe I'll show a little bit more skin even because I'll get more traction on my page. I'm thirsty. So maybe I just need to work harder at school and forget everybody else. I'm just going to win it big. Thirsty. And when people are thirsty and they go after this, it's like taking a nice big bottle of sand. Imagine you're thirsty in the desert there. Skin dry, your soul is high, just hungering for moisture. And you take out this big canteen. Somebody comes to you and they go, Hey, sister, I see you're thirsty. I got you a bottle of something cool and refreshing. And they give you the bottle, and you're like, water? And you unscrew it, and you screw it, and you go to put it back, and you open your mouth. You're cocked back. It's coming up. It's like happening in slow motion, right? And like people watch, and you're like, and you're coming up, and you're like, water? And as you expect water to come off the edge, it just, just a stream of sand right into your mouth, and every last little bit of moisture that was maybe there, even a little bit in microscopic form, you're just choking on sand. The world is thirsty. You're like, he's crazy. You know I am, Colton. The world is thirsty, and when they try to drink these, it doesn't satisfy. We're all thirsty, guys. Our souls are thirsty, but look what God did. God came to a dry and thirsty world, and he came in the person of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see, unlike the people who are going to give you bottles of sand, look what Jesus offered. Show it on the screen here, Justin. In John chapter 7, on the last day of the feast, so there's this big party, right? There's like this ticker tape parade, and they're all in there, and Jesus stands up, and he goes, to all of you who are thirsty, look what he says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Steps back down. And here's all the people, right? Eyes on him. And they're just like this. Their souls are longing for something. All they've been given in their life was sand. And they're thirsty, friends. You guys know people like that. They're sitting in your classrooms. You live with some of them. These are people that are thirsting for something. And everything that they had in their life has, up to this point has been sand. But Jesus stands up and he goes, if you really thirst, come to me. In, a later ch in, in an earlier chapter, in John chapter 4, he says, I will give you the water of life and you will thirst no more. Hashtag thirst quencher, right? Like, was that Gatorade? No, it was Jesus. And so here's the idea, guys. God's answer, listen, listen, he sees you thirsty. He sees the world dry. But God's answer to a thirsty world was Jesus. God's answer to a world that is thirsting and longing to be satisfied is Jesus. And Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross. And here's how he satisfies our soul. He gives us what we really need. 
he looks at your soul and he goes, I know it will really satisfy you to live life the way that you were meant to be lived. And so he takes away your sins. He died in your place. And when you put your faith in him, you're now reconnected with God the Father. Your sin no longer holds you back. And for the first time in your life, you are drinking water as you realize, I'm free. It's like your soul, it's like your soul is drinking water as you realize, I'm loved by God. It's like your soul is drinking water as you realize, I'm accepted. All of those things that were sin, I now see them for real. God's answer to a thirsty world was Jesus. And so friends, as we begin this series of thirsty, David begins it and he says, oh God, you are my God. And for those of you who are thirsty, for those of you who are, who know what I'm talking about, when your soul is longing for something, you gotta remember that God, God's answer to a thirsty world was Jesus. And so here's how I want us to respond. The band is gonna play. And I just wanna know this. I wanna, I wanna know this. How many of you are like me? And you would admit today, in front of your friends, in front of everybody here, you would admit, I don't thirst for God as much as I would like to. Anybody? Okay, cool, yeah, 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 no doubt. Good, 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 okay. And so here's, here's what I want us to do. If you're willing, okay, if you're willing to do more than just sit here and smile at me, if you're willing to do something about it, I'm gonna start a challenge today, okay? And it's a three-week challenge, and I'm gonna challenge you, if that's you, if, you are, if you're saying to God, God, I don't thirst for you as much as I want to, but please put a thirst inside of me, I'm going to invite you to open up Psalm 63 when you go home tonight. I want you to memorize it. It's 11 verses. I want you to memorize. As a youth community, we're going to memorize Psalm 63. You're like, I don't got a good memory. What's your phone number? What's your birthday? What's your social security number? What's your address? What's your parents' name? What's your siblings' name? You're good. It just takes time, all right? You're like, boy, I'm good at that memory thing. Yeah, you are. All right? And so we're going to memorize Psalm 63. And as you memorize it, this is your prayer. God, help me to thirst for you more. God, I admit that I'm often indifferent to you. I admit that a lot of times I don't care about you. I admit that I chase all those other things more than you. But, oh God, I want you to be my God, and eagerly I want to seek you. So please make me thirsty for you. And if that's going to be your prayer, read it, memorize it. Pray it as a youth community. Get with your friends. If you're in school, be like, yo, what's up, Scarlett? How you doing? Psalm 63. Slide it off right there. You're in the car, and your mom says, hey, how was school today? Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My flesh faints for you. My soul thirsts for you as in dry and weary land where there is no water. Right? And she's like, who are you? And you're like, Psalm 63. What? Let's jazz. Let's do it. All right? We don't need to be, we don't need to come to youth group and pretend, yes, I love God with all my heart and I always want him and I don't want any bad things. Like, dude, stop lying to yourself, man. We thirst and often we try to fill our thirst with the wrong thing. And so let's be a youth community here that says, yes, we're thirsty, but we thirst after Jesus. Hey, yeah, I'm thirsty, but I'm gonna choose to satisfy my thirst with Jesus because God's answer to a thirsty world was Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord. Thank you for, for the Psalms of David. Thank you for the prayers in the Bible. And God, we see a real man here who is struggling, but he knew enough to know that only his soul could be satisfied with Christ. 
So Lord, help us to be a youth community, God. Help citizens to be a place that thirsts after you, Lord. We want you. God, we want more of you, Jesus. We do, and we're gonna sing that here, Lord, to you. In Jesus' name, amen.